From the HPP studio, you're listening to the 91st episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HPP. I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we drink to commiserate with the Washington Nationals, watch Aaron Judge and the New York Yankees hit too many home runs, play trivia in the American League Central Division with the Cleveland Guardians, and become minority owners of the San Francisco Giants. And before we do all that and take on all those adventures, we can't do this podcast without a drink. <laughs> In my hand, I'm holding a beer called, we call it U Umlat Madison Lager from a good American small business brewery called Wilmington Brew Works in Wilmington, Delaware. For those of you who speak German or took one year of German in high school like I did, this beer is called, we call it U, which is basically a U with two umlats, basically two dots above the U. That's what it's called, an umlat. I've been drinking a lot of German beer recently, but I'm drinking it because it's good. I don't know what else is in Wilmington, but I do know that in Wilmington, the Wilmington Blue Rocks, which is the high affiliate of the Washington Nationals, play there. Unfortunately, the Wilmington Blue Rocks season is over. And none of the players on that roster were part of that big package of the Juan Soto and Josh Bell trade between the Washington Nationals and the San Diego Padres. But there's one promising player on that roster. He's a 20-year-old outfielder named Jeremy De La Rosa. He's a top 10 prospect in the Nationals farm system. De La Rosa is from Santiago, Dominican Republic, of course, because Dominican Republic is... I don't know what they do putting the water down there to be producing an insane amount of Major League Baseball players, but he's a professional baseball player. According to the scouts and the reports, De La Rosa's bat is improving. He needs that. He needs some, some kind of plus skill to help him move up. And maybe, hopefully, next year in 2023, he'll get moved up to the A Washington Nationals team, give him a challenge, help him develop, help him grow to he'll be promoted to hopefully Harrisburg's the Harrisburg Senators if you remember we talked about the Harrisburg Senators back in episode 86 because Harrisburg is in I think it's like in central Pennsylvania and there's just that part of Pennsylvania I don't know why it's a hotbed they have so many minor league teams in central or northwest Pennsylvania I named a bunch of them back in episode 86 and outside of Harrisburg Senators, I don't. none of them are recalled by me right now because the umlaut has got me. And you hold on as I take a drink. And speaking of the Wilmington Blue Rocks parent club, the Washington Nationals, maybe we don't speak about them because they're, they're in last place in the National League East Division, already eliminated from the playoffs. They only have 53 wins, 99 losses. By the time you listen to this, they probably already have 100 losses. <laughs> they probably already have 100 losses. So they have the second worst run differential in, the, in all of Major League Baseball. Like I said earlier, they traded their two best players, Juan Soto, heads and shoulder their best player, and then also Josh Bell, who was an all-star. The Washington Nationals team is being sold. There's just a lot of changes and turnover going with that, going on in that organization. But the one of the few bright spots outside of Jeremy De La Rosa and, and these young players is before that trade between the San Diego Padres and the Washington Nationals, the Washington Nationals farm system was ranked 23rd, which is way in the bottom third in all of Major League. 
after that trade, all that young influx of blood and these potential young good players from the San Diego Padres, the Washington Nationals farm system moved up to number 15, according to our overlords, MLB.com. So cheers to the future of Washington Nationals, because right now there is nothing to celebrate. <laughs> the only thing the only thing to celebrate for the Washington National fans and the organization is the season's going to be over in about a week or so. And to that, I raise my beer. By the way, I love that this beer, the it's the design. I have no idea who designed it, and I do love art and creativity. It's kind of art deco-ish. It's it has like diamonds and the colors are gray, blue, and white. Obviously, you'll see a picture of it when I post it on Twitter and Instagram, but this is awesome. I love not only good beer, but good looking beer as well. And you know what else is better now than it was before the beginning of the year? Much like the Washington Nationals Minor League Club, our social media. Our social media is better today than it was six months ago. On Twitter, our Twitter account is at HBP4040. And our Instagram account is Hipster Baseball Podcast. Give us a follow or not. No big deal. Speaking of social media, I do want to mention that I was a guest on the Sports Town podcast with JJ Peters. Uh, it's season three, episode 20. That Sports Town podcast episode was just released a few days ago. It's on all the major platforms for podcast. Check it out if you want. I had a good time talking to JJ about baseball, about Shohei Otani, managers, the Atlanta Braves, the LA Dodgers. Really enjoyed it. Check it out. Sports Town Podcast. It came out a few days ago. Cheers to JJ Peters and everything he's building over at Sports Town Podcast. You know who else's social media account must be amazing? Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge must have trillions of followers all on on all of his social media accounts. And you're asking yourself, Dorian, why did you say at the top of the show that the New York Yankees and Aaron Judge are hitting too many home runs? I'm going to get back to that in a second, in a few minutes. But first, raising this beer yet again that I cannot stop drinking. Cheers to the New York Yankees who clinched a playoff spot back on the 22nd of September when they beat the Boston Red Sox. Now the Yankees are still in first place in the American League East Division. 93 wins, 58 losses. Here's an interesting stat that I looked up doing simple counting, simple fourth grade mathematics. Did you know that the New York Yankees starting infield, obviously third base, shortstop, second base, first base, the combined total of the New York Yankees infield home run hits, home run totals, excuse me, is 74. That's Anthony Rizzo, Glaber Torres, Isaiah Kenner, Falafel. I always butcher his name. I, I always hear his name, like when the Yankees broadcast are like, Henry Valefa to whatever. I don't, I, I'm going to call him Mr. Isaiah. And finally, third baseman Josh Donaldson. Those four guys have hit 74 home runs. Aaron Judge by himself has hit 60 home runs so far. I'm only bringing that up to you. I just find it very interesting. I don't know what to make of that stat. Is it a good thing that these four players have hit 74 home runs so far with what, like 12 games left in the season? Is it bad that four players have only, air quotes, combined to hit 74 home runs? And most of those are actually from Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo has hit about, I think, 31, 32 home runs by himself because Aaron Judge has hit 60 all by himself. Granted, this is an, this is an outlier of a season. The last time Aaron Judge hit 52 home runs, I think, when he was a rookie back in 2018. So it's not like Aaron Judge does this every year. It's frankly not like any player manages to hit 
60 home runs in any season. So Aaron Judge, I don't know. Maybe he ends up with 62 home runs. Maybe he ends up with 66 home runs. Nevertheless, Aaron Judge is having an absolutely monster season. He has a 316 batting average. His OBP on base percentage, which is personally my favorite stat, which is get your butt on base. If you're on base, you immediately put pressure on the catcher. You're immediately putting pressure on the defense and you're putting pressure on the pitcher. Because if the pitcher manages to either strike everyone out or give up home runs, the pitcher's always working with a clean, with clean bases. Get your butt on base. I love it. Aaron Judge's OBP, 422. His OPS plus is off the charts, 212. The average player has an OPS plus of 100. Aaron Judge is double an average player because he's a great, he's having a great season this year. And all this in 147 games, he's managed to stay healthy. He's played in well, the, the majority of the Yankees games. Who knows what's going to happen with the New York Yankees in the playoffs? Who knows if Aaron Judge is either going to win the American League most valuable player or we, or finishes the runner-up most valuable player? The question that I have, like everyone else does, whether you're a New York Yankee fan or not, are the Yankees going to re-sign Aaron Judge? I don't know. I don't know what the Steinbrenner family is going to do. I don't know what Yan- New York Yankees general manager Brian Cashman are going to do. But if Papa George, who's now in the great beyond, he's watching the New York Yankees from that great baseball diamond in the sky. His sons and daughters, I think, are Hank and Hal and John and James. I don't know. I don't know those Steinbrenner kids' names. I mean, they're not kids. They're like literally like 50 and 70, 60 years old. The Steinbrenner's family's name. That doesn't really matter. They are of a different breed than their father. Their father would have signed Aaron Judge two years ago and given him a massive contract. But I don't blame the Steinbrenners for holding back because they did offer Brian Cashman and the Steinbrenners did offer Aaron Judge a contract before the season began. It was less than what Aaron Judge thought that he was worth, and Aaron Judge rejected it. It's up to him to do whatever he wants. But I always like to see things from different sides. What if Brian Cashman and the Steinbrenners, they don't need a crystal ball. They don't they don't need Miss Cleo to say is it going, how much should we pay Aaron Judge? Should we even pay Aaron Judge? Check this out because they already see the future and the future is already on the team. Humor me here. Stop me if you've heard this before. The New York Yankees sign a slugger who is a physical specimen. He is Paul Bunyan and he's coming off a most valuable player season. In 2018, the New York Yankees traded for Giancarlo Stanton from the Miami Marlins. In 2018, Stanton was 27 years old. He just won the National League Most Valuable Player, and he hit 59 home runs, which is actually more impressive than whatever number Aaron Judge ends up with, whether it's 62 home runs, 66 home runs, because Giancarlo Stanton had to play his home games. Half of his season had to be played at the very pitcher-friendly Marlins Park. They built Marlins Park to deny home runs. This isn't Yankee Stadium where left field is 300 is 215 feet. It's like a little league team, a little league club stadium. This is Marlins Park. Nobody hits home runs there. But Giancarlo Stanton managed to hit 59 home runs in 2018. That was insane. So Stanton signed a massive, I think it was like a $300 million contract with the Miami Marlins. Then of course the Miami Marlins did 
Miami Marlins things and say, ah, we regret having to pay this guy so much and we don't really want to win. We don't like winning. We just like to win by accident. Let's trade him. So the Yankees said, we'll take his contract. This guy's a monster. He's an MVP. He has Paul Bunyan-like strength. Since that year with the Miami Marlins in 2018, Stanton can't stay healthy. You Yankee fans know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, Giancarlo Stanton is 32 years old, and he has six more years to run on that massive $300 million plus contract that he had that he signed like five years ago. Aaron Judge, again, may win the American League Most Valuable Player in 2022. And he'll, if he doesn't win it, he'll certainly finish runner-up. In the offseason, Aaron Judge is going to be 31 years old. And you know Aaron Judge has not does not have a good track record of staying healthy. He's been healthy this year. And the last season he was actually healthy was in 2018 when he hit those, what is it? I think it was like 52 home runs as a rookie. Think about it. Put yourself in Brian Cashman's position or the Steinbrenner's position. We have a 31-year-old Paul Bunyan player, phenomenal with the bat, above average with the glove. He's an above average defender. Aaron Judge will never win a gold glove in right field, but he's an above average defender. He's actually better than you would think, honestly. Someone who's managed two healthy seasons in four years, what do you pay that guy? And, And in those two years, he's managed to hit over 100 home runs. In just two seasons. But of course, he's hit more home runs when you add up the other years that he hasn't been healthy. He's 31 years old. He's six foot, what is what is he, six foot eight? He's built like a modern NFL tight end or a basketball power forward. Are you paying this guy a 31-year-old? You're giving him an eight-year contract to run to until he's 40? That body may not be that body may not hold up for two, three years, much less eight more years. Be real with yourself. You're Brian Cashman. You're the Steinbrenners. You want Aaron Judge to stay there. He is a clean-cut dude. May not have the best personality in the world, but the point is you're not paying him for a personality. You're paying him for his production with his bat. Speaking of production, back to Giancarlo Stanton. Stanton is the left fielder slash designated hitter. This year, so far, he's hit 28 home runs, and he has a batting average of 213 in 102 games. A batting average of 213. Gross. You know, I don't trust this New York Yankee offense in the playoffs. I'm going to tell you why. First off, I was surprised that the Yankees strike out pretty average, which is a good thing. They're, as a team, the Yankees strike out, you're, it's like a league average. They're number 16 in team strikeouts. They've struck out 1,280 times. It's 16th right in the middle of the pack. There's actually only one team in the top 10 of most strikeouts as a team. That's going to the playoffs. There's only one playoff team in the top 10, and that's the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves have struck out the third most times in all of Major League Baseball with 1,384 strikeouts. That's incredible. That's telling you something. If you're a playoff team in 2022, you need to be incredibly disciplined at the plate. And the fact that the Yankees have hit so much, so many home runs, and they've struck out, relatively speaking, so few times, it's really impressive. Just for interest's sake, you know who's the one playoff team that's dead last in strikeouts? The Cleveland Guardians. They have struck out the least amount of times in all of Major League Baseball, and the Cleveland Guardians are going to the playoffs. They've struck out 1,027 times. That's tremendous play discipline. And the reason I don't trust the New York Yankees offense in the playoffs is 
they have an over-reliance on the home run to score runs versus just generating, putting people on base, stealing a base, getting a single, getting a double, and bringing someone home. The two teams, the two playoff teams that rely most on the home run, the Atlanta Braves and the New York Yankees. As an Atlanta Braves fan, that gives me food for thought. That makes me pause. It's like, whoa. Because you know in the playoffs, the pitchers are a lot better than they are in the regular season when you could be facing some trash team like the Washington Nationals or the Detroit Tigers or the Oakland Athletics. If the Yankees manage to go up against a strong rotation or bullpen that suppresses home runs, the Yankees may get knocked out early. If the Atlanta Braves manage to match up against a team with strong pitching, they may give they may get knocked out early as well because they both the Yankees and the Braves rely so much on on home runs. But we'll see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just giving I'm just bringing things up for you to think about. I'm thinking I'm bringing things up for me to think about. And before we move on, I'm going to have another drink. I'm going to do a quick trivia question with you. All right, you ready? 54321. Who's leading the American League Central Division? Go. Ah, you don't. First off, you don't know. You may think you know, or you frankly don't care. (laughs) I'm going to answer the trivia question. The Cleveland Guardians are in first place. 86 wins. Was it 86 wins? 88 wins? The point is, they are going to the playoffs. The Cleveland Guardians, 86 wins, 69 losses, 10 games ahead of the ridiculously underperforming Chicago White Sox. And the Cleveland Guardians just clinched the American League Central Division. What the heck is going what the heck happened to the Chicago White Sox? They had Tony LaRussa out with a medical with an undisclosed medical issue. We are not fans of Tony LaRussa, but at the same time we wish him a speedy recovery because he is, you know, it doesn't matter how old he is, he's just we we, we don't we want him to recover. But Tony Tony Russa ha, Tony LaRussa has not managed a team in a while now. Since the 30th of August, Miguel Cairo has taken over as the interim manager of the Chicago White Sox. And in the first 12 games under Cairo, the Chicago White Sox went 9-3. and three. They won nine games. They only lost three. We're back, baby. Pump the brakes, though. Because since that awesome 12-game start with Miguel Cairo and the White Sox thinking, you know what, we can do it. We have so much talent on this club, and we're going to take down the Cleveland Guardians. We're going to leave the Minnesota Twins in the rearview mirror. Since that awesome 9-3 start, the Chicago White Sox have been 4-9 and nine in their last 13 games. In the last 13 games, they've won four games. They were swept by the Guardians, and the White Sox have last, have, has lost, have lost, the last six consecutive games. And today, the White Sox were eliminated from the postseason. This 2022 Chicago White Sox team is, in my opinion, the most disappointing baseball team since the 2015 San Diego Padres. That was seven years ago. That's In sports, that's a long time. That 2015 San Diego Padres team, they loaded up on talent. This Chicago White Sox team, they had homegrown talent, and they added a couple of players, but most of that, most of this Chicago White Sox, most of these White Sox players are homegrown. That 2015 San Diego Padres team, the general manager, A.J. Preller, he was wheeling. He was dealing in the offseason. He added Matt Kemp, Derek Norris, 
Will Myers, Justin Upton, James Shield. And to top it off, before the 2015, the 2015 season started, A.J. Preller did another trade with the Atlanta Braves. He brought over Justin's twin brother, Melvin Upton Jr., and all solar system closer, Craig Kimbrell from the Atlanta Braves. That 2015 San Diego Padres team ended in fourth place in the National League West Division. They only won 74 games. They couldn't even win half their games. They had 74 wins, 88 losses. This Chicago White Sox team is going to win 80 games, but they're barely going to finish over 500. And nowhere, and they're just obviously not going to the playoffs. And look, for some of you English majors out there or playwrights, I'm going to misquote Shakespeare here. I'm not here to bury the White Sox, but to celebrate the Guardians. In the last 19 games, the Guardians have been scorching hot. Not 19 games. In the last, what am I talking about? In their last 21 games, the Guardians have won 18 times. 18 and 3 in their last 21 games. And they've won seven consecutive games. I'm flabbergasted at how the Guardians are able to continuously stay competitive and go to the playoffs. Maybe not every year now, but like every other year. Because they never re-sign their star players. Obviously, they let go of uh, Francisco Lador, who's now a uh, shortstop with the New York Mets. How do they keep doing this? But before I'm, I, I, I give you my thoughts on how the Guardians keep doing this, I'm going to tell you. Back in 2019, I was in Las Vegas before the Major League Baseball season. And you know you know me. I'm not a degenerate gambler. I don't like degenerate gamblers. But you're in Las Vegas. I'm not the biggest fan in the world of that city. It's just, eh, whatever. But nevertheless, I went to the one of the slot machines, you know, in one of the hotels or whatever. I'm a big money spender when it comes to gambling. So I pulled out $20. And I put it in the slot machine. And I got up to $22. And I was like, oh, man, we're going to have... We're going to have steak dinner tonight. We're, I'm going to order bottles of champagne of delicious German <laughs> beer, whatever. So I'm up to $22 and I'm going to have a drink. Hold on. And in 10 minutes, I lose it all. Pulling the handle or pressing the button. I forget which one it was. I'm, pre- I'm sure, pretty sure it was pressing the button because of pulling the handle. What is this, like 1970s? And you know what? You know what upset me? It wasn't not just losing $20 in 10 minutes. Because supposedly when you're doing these gambling things, as long as you're gambling, a waiter or waitress, you know, we're gender, we're gender champions here on HBP. Someone is supposed to come around and give you free drinks. It's like, oh, hi, you know, what would you like to drink? Ah, I want a beer. I want a whatever, rum and coke, whatever. Nobody came around in those 10 minutes that I was losing 20 bucks, number one. So I didn't even get a drink out of this. <laughs> and then I think like the next day, I went to another one of these hotels that have these sports books, and I bet, I put a $100 bet that the Cleveland, back then they were called the Cleveland Indians, I bet that they would win under 90 games. I think it was like 90 games or 88 games, because coming off the 2018 season, I don't remember, but the Cleveland Cleveland Indians let go of a bunch of players, or they traded them as they usually do. I don't remember. They didn't re-sign people. But I'm like, there's no way... Being in the American League Central Division, the Cleveland Indians are going to win 90-something games. So I said, you know what? This is easy money. Here's 100 bucks. If I had if I had hit it, I think I would have won like $150, $147. And in, instead, in 2019, the Cleveland Indians went 93 in 69. They, they went to the playoffs. They won over 90 games. And your boy lost $100. 
So I blame the 2019 Cleveland Indians for making me, instead of making me rich, I'm now working for free on a podcast. <laughs> I'm joking. I love doing this. Are you crazy? <laughs> so we talked about the Guardians back in episode 73. And look, if you want to have fun gambling, you know I don't like to do it. But if you do, be safe. Know your limits. Only bet. I think it's. I think the rule of thumb is like one percent of whatever you have in your checking account. That's that's as much. That's how much you can actually bet. Whatever you have, if you have a thousand dollars in your checking account, you should only bet ten dollars. Right? Yes, that's ten dollars. So I didn't. Obviously, I did not take that rule of thumb back then because I didn't know it. But whatever. I lost a hundred bucks. But it's okay. Somehow I managed to survive over the next three years without that $100 because the Cleveland Indians cost me that. But off the top of my head, the Cleveland Guardians in 2022, I really, I love baseball, but I really only know two of their players off the top of my head. Their third baseman, Jose Ramirez, and their awesome Reed Thin. It's crazy how thin this guy is. Their pitcher, who's awesome, Tristan McKenzie. McKenzie has an ERA plus of 126. Your average pitcher has an ERA plus of 100. Jose Ramirez, his OPS plus is 147. Your average baseball player has an OPS plus of 100. And I went on baseball reference and looked up the Cleveland Guardians, and they have a solid lineup. Six of their nine regular players have an, o- have an OPS plus higher than 107. Six of their nine players have an OPS plus higher than 107. That's pretty good for a bunch of no names and guys, unless you're, you know, super into the Cleveland Guardians or the American League Central Division, you really wouldn't know. Partially what's helped the Cleveland Guardians in 2022 is the American League Central Division has not been competitive at all. You have the last place Detroit Tigers. They weren't, no one expected the Tigers to actually compete for the playoffs or even win the American League Central Division or compete for it. But I was excited for them because they had all these young players coming up. I, I remember watched, I remember watching like two or three of their first games in the first few weeks of the season. I'm like, I like this team. Like, I can't wait to see what they do. Not that I expected them to, again, go to the playoffs. But I'm like, this is going to be a fun team to watch. Wrong. Wrong. They have massively underachieved what they should have been doing. And you go over to Minnesota. The Minnesota Twins? I mean, they didn't have any pitching to begin with. And then what little starting pitching they had, it just melted away with endless trips to the to the injured list. Sonny Gray, Chris Archer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think their only consistent starter was, is Joe, uh, God, I forget. His name escapes me. Joe Ryan, I think it is. And this is a team that signed the Minnesota Twins. If you remember, they signed, they surprised everyone. Shortstop Carlos Correa to that massive three-year contract. They traded for Gary Sanchez, the catcher, and third baseman Gio Urshela with the New York Yankees. And to be fair, Sanchez and Urshela have played pretty well with the the Minnesota Twins. And of course, you have the superstar that should have been Byron Buxton. He was awesome at the beginning of the year. Again, I, I remember seeing a couple of Twins games and everyone was on the Byron Buxton train. It's like, this is the year. Byron Buxton stays healthy, and he's going to do awesome things with the, with the Minnesota Twins. Wrong. Wrong. What the heck? Byron Buxton ends up playing 92 games. Now he's having knee surgery, I think, in like tomorrow or in two days. His season's over. In 92 games, Byron Buxton ended up with a 135 OPS+. plus. 
wouldn't have been nice for the Minnesota Twins to have Byron Buxton for 140 games, 150 games. This guy, he averages about 78 games in full in full seasons as a professional. Buxton's not going to be 29 years old next year. I mean, when, if ever, is it going to happen that he's going to be in the lineup for the Minnesota Twins 140, 150 games and goes to the All-Star and gets some, Amer- gets some MVP votes? I don't know. He's not a young man anymore. He's not old. I think it's great if Byron Buxton is able to stay healthy. I'm not a Minnesota Twins fan, but I'm a baseball fan. I love watching insanely talented players like Byron Buxton do their thing. Who knows what's going to happen with Minnesota Twins and Byron Buxton. But again, a lot of teams have underachieved in the American League Central Division. Oh, you want to talk about the Chicago White Sox? Let's not. Blech. It's... It's it's so crazy what they've done. And of course, the Kansas City Royals, I mean, no really no one expected anything of the Kansas City Royals and they're, you know, they're just just below okay. They're just eh whatever. Who cares about the Kansas City Royals? So here we are wondering how the Cleveland Guardians do it because they have amazing player development, they have amazing scouting, and they play in a division that underperformed this year and it's and frankly, the American League Central Division has underperformed for a few years now. The teams in there. And for the Cleveland Guardians fans, there's only more good news. Cheers. Uh, an, an umlaut cheers to you because your team just won the American League Central Division and the future looks bright. According to our overlords at MLB.com, the Guardians have the number third minor league system in all the league. I don't know how many games that the Guardians are going to finish with this year, but I do know that they finished the season playing the Kansas City Royals six consecutive times. I, th- I think by the end of the regular season, the Cleveland Guardians and the Kansas City Royals are going to be absolutely sick of seeing each other. Like, what is this, a playoff series? What happened with the schedule over at the New York office of Major League Baseball? Why would you have a team finish off? Why would you have these two teams finish six times facing each other? There's going to, I think there's going to be fights. There's going to be players beamed. It's not going to be good. I just hope that the Cleveland Guardians players are healthy going into the playoffs because ultimately, as the American League Central Division champion, the number three ranked team in the American League, they're going to end up playing one of the wildcard teams. They're either going to play the Tampa Bay Rays, the Toronto Blue Jays, or the Seattle Mariners. I personally think that the Guardians' best matchup would be against the Seattle Mariners because the Mariners are young, exciting, and they're excited, but they're also inexperienced. The Seattle Mariner, Mariners haven't been in the playoffs in what twenty-one years. I think that's like some yeah, that's like the record in all of North American major sports. Whereas the Guardians, this is the second time in three years that they've been to the playoffs, and they have a little. I don't. They don't have older players, but I just think they have more experienced players. But we're all excited about the playoffs, and, and again, congratulations to the Cleveland Guardians, the new champions of the American League Central Division. For those of you who are not fans, who are fans of teams that are, aren't going to go to the playoffs. You're like, these last two weeks of the regular season to be boring. Let's just get to the playoffs. Maybe over the next two weeks, you can visit our show sponsor, Babbage's, the software specialty store. Looking for the latest Microsoft Windows release? Need a new Mac mousepad? How about Call of Duty 113, Jungle Warfare, Central America? Find it all at Babbage's at your local mall. Babbage's, the software specialty store, especially for you. Here's an interesting fact, actually. This is not part of the copy. Ross Perot 
who was a presidential candidate for the United States back in 1992 and a very successful entrepreneur from Texas in the 80s and 90s. And also he passed away, I think, like four or five years ago, maybe more than that. Ross Perot owned a third of the company of Babbage's. Check this out, the number three. So Ross Perot owned 33% of Babbage's because he bought into it in 1983 with a $3 million investment. <laughs> How cool is that? Maybe Ross Perot was looking down from, I don't know, great entrepreneur heaven up in the sky at Babbage's and the Cleveland Guardians and Aaron Judge and how much how much richer Aaron Judge is going to be in about five months time. <laughs> but you know what else? Someone else who's been smart enough to invest their hard-earned money like Ross Perot, Buster Posey. Before we get into Buster Posey, I want to ask you a question. If you're listening to this podcast, you're a sports fan. Usually, we like more than one sport. Very rarely is someone is like, I only like ice hockey. I only like Formula One. Me, I like most of the major sports. Uh, football, college football, baseball, obviously, basketball, soccer, football, anything that you like. NASCAR, rugby, of all the sports that you follow, and you have a favorite team in every single sport that you follow, which one of your favorite teams would you actually buy if you had the money? For me, it's a tough question, but I honestly would go to be the Atlanta Braves owner in baseball. I love the Atlanta Braves. I love all the teams that I follow in all the other sports, but the Atlanta Braves are like the team. Of all the teams, they're the team. But Buster Posey, who's the legendary San Francisco Giants catcher and future Hall of Famer, he's now a minority owner in his former team, which is really freaking cool. And he also had now has his seat as one of the six board of directors for the San Francisco Giants organization. Cheers to that, Mr. Buster Posey. I'm going to have a drink. Hold on. And you know, I love talking about business and, the, and the, the business of sports on this podcast. So the San Francisco Giants have an estimated value of $3.5 billion. Normally in sports, to be a minority owner, you, ha you usually have 1% of the, of the club. Now, 1% of $3.5 billion. Again, this is fourth grade math. math. This is just division. Or this is multiplication, actually. 3.5 billion times... Point one is $35 million. Buster Posey made a boatload of money as a player. I think according to Sports Track, his contract earnings on the field, not, not including endorsements, he earned about $150 million in his in his career as a as a catcher. And the reality is half of that is gone because half of that is goes to taxes, half of that goes to not half the, the half goes away for taxes, agent fees, and also pension contributions. And so you're left with, let's say, $80 million conservatively. I'm not looking to count his money, but it's just something that I have in mind. It's like, I, is Buster Posey going to put down $35 million in cash to buy 1% of the San Francisco Giants? I don't think so. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's not really important. The, the thing is that he's now a minority owner. Who knows how much money he put in? And I'm happy for him. Because he goes from a, being a super successful player to now uh, an entrepreneur. And the real question is, how is this going to impact how the San Francisco Giants are run? 
And it's obviously a player of his caliber, a future Hall of Famer. You're like, well, obviously he has to be helping player development. I mean, that's 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 who he is. But I'm like, why don't we challenge him? Like, what am I talking about? We, <laughs> like, I'm like I'm an owner. I am not an owner in San Francisco Giants. I mean, it would be awesome if I was, but I'm not. Why don't the San Francisco Giants challenge him? There are some multinational corporations that have something called something called uh, what is it a management training scheme and obviously this is for very young people coming out of university college etc where you come on and you ha- you sign like a two or three year contract with this humongous uh, multinational corporation and so every six years you get every six years every six months or so you get rotated so you go to accounting for six months you go to marketing for six months you go to your supply organization structure thing for six months you go to sales for six months. So ultimately, they're like, after two or three years, we can drop you in any one of our divisions and you can perform to a good level because you have an understanding of how the whole organization works. And it's the same thing. Wouldn't it be awesome if Buster Posey did the same thing? I think having Buster Posey as a player, to, as doing player development would stunt his growth, challenge him, make him, do, make him work on the finance committee. On the real estate committee, obviously around Oracle Park, you want to you want the Giants to be able to build their hotels or buy into a hotel, run restaurants, etc. What about on the sponsorship committee? Going out to get sponsors, like oh, this third inning is brought to you by your local paper company. The seventh inning stretch is brought to you by this water bottling company. Like bringing in sponsors like that and having to build relationships like that. Why not have? Why not have Buster Posey help do facility operations, literally running the day-to-day nuts and bolts of keeping Oracle Park running, whether it's for baseball games, for, for, for concerts, etc., and also rotating them out to do player development. Like, hey, you know what, Buster Posey, go out to the Dominican Republic and help. We we're signing these 15, 16-year-old young men, not the young men, young kids, let's be honest. Go out there and work with the our 16-year-old kids from the Dominican Republic. That's what I would love for Buster Posey to, to do as a minority owner of the San Francisco Giants. And lastly, talking about the Giants' ownership structure, I was really surprised. Apparently, one person doesn't own the Giants, not five people. There are 31 people that have the title owner of the San Francisco Giants. Obviously, most of them have a small share of the San Francisco Giants, but... I was just really surprised. 31 people? Wow. When all this was announced, Posey said, quote, I'm excited to provide my insight. Being a player for the San Francisco Giants, I understand there's expectations, and that's great. End quote. And right now, I'm sure the Giants welcome him because in 2022, obviously Buster Posey, he won the World Series with the San Francisco Giants three times. But now in 2022, the Giants are in third place in the National League West Division this is a disappointing year. They're not going to the playoffs. Last year, they won 107 games. They beat the Dodgers and won the National League West Division. And they ended up losing to the Dodgers again in the playoffs in five hard-fought games. The, the Giants could have easily gone to the National League Championship Series, but one of these things, the playoffs are just flip of the coin sort of deal. One of the ways that Buster Posey can help the San Francisco Giants is how recently he played. He just retired last year. A lot of the players are going to be free agents in the offseason 2022-2023. He can just pick up the phone and say, hey, 
How about coming to how I know you loved competing against me. Why not come and play for the team that I'm a partial owner of? And this and this 2023 free agent class is going to be very tasty. Check this out. I also didn't know. I just like I didn't know the Giants have 31 owners. Like what is this Baskin Robbins 31 flavors? I didn't know that Aaron Judge, the New York Yankees slugger who we just talked about, he grew up a San Francisco Giants fan. He didn't grow up a Dodger fan. He didn't grow up a Texas Rangers fan. He didn't grow up an Atlanta Braves fan. He was a San Francisco Giants fan. And be real with yourself. No matter how old you are, how young you are, you would still love to put on the jersey of your favorite team and play for them. Obviously, I know Aaron Judge, I'm sure he loves living in New York and he loves the crowds and, and, the, and the attention and all the money that's going to come to him. Don't trick yourself thinking that Aaron Judge in the back of his mind doesn't say, I'd love to be doing this in San Francisco. Buster Posey can also pick up the phone and call the St. Louis third baseman, Nolan Arenado. He's, he has a player option in 2023, so he can, he can be a free man. Hey, Arenado, why not come a little bit more out west and play with San Francisco? And speaking of players that grew up to be fans of other teams, Posey can also talk to the New York Mets all-solar system pitcher, Jacob deGrom, and say, come play for the Giants. But Jacob deGrom, and this is publicly known, and he, said, and he has said this, Jacob deGrom grew up an Atlanta Braves fan. And the New York Mets fandom is going crazy. They're, tear, they're literally tearing their hair out with the idea that Justin deGrom is leaving at the end of the season, no matter what happens. And he's going to sign with the Atlanta Braves. I don't know if the Atlanta Braves are willing to give him the money that Jacob DeGrom is worth. Because he's, if he's not the best pitcher in baseball, he's one of the top three pitchers, best pitchers in baseball. I, as a Braves fan, I would love for Jacob DeGrom to sign with the Braves. I would volunteer. I would drive down and pick him up at the Atlanta International Airport and drive him straight to Truist Park. I don't care. I'd love to have <laughs> Jacob DeGrom on the Atlanta Braves. But... Jacob DeGrom's going to be a free agent. He can sign with the Braves. He can sign with the Giants. Posey can also say the Houston Astros future Hall of Famer, Justin Verlander, and say, come pitch for us for a few years. Do the Giants want to make a change at the shortstop? What about L.A. Dodgers shortstop, Trey Turner? What about Atlanta Braves shortstop, Dansby Swanson? Both those guys, either gold glove or gold glove caliber. Do you want to make a change at catcher? Maybe not because, you know, Joey Bart's good. Chicago Cubs, Wilson Contreras. There's just so many so many players that Buster Posey used to play against or with. I think it's a tremendous opportunity that the Giants have had. And it's really smart of them to do this. And it's also smart as a entrepreneur for Buster Posey to sign on to become a partial minority owner. Whatever you call it. He now has an equity stake in the San Francisco Giants. Cheers to him. Umla to you, Mr. Posey. And with all the all the money that uh, Buster Posey has earned as a player, and he will earn as an owner, he's probably traveled all over the world. And I love thanking new listeners from all over the world as well. And this time, I want to I want to thank someone from Targum Murish. I don't know. I I need the HVP bullpen on the correct pronunciation of this one listener from Targum Murish. Tergu Muresh, Romania, Romania, Tehran, Iran, Tehran, Iran, and sending out prayers and because all of the protests that are happening, rightly so, against the theological dictatorship in Iran. It's uh, awful what they're doing to the good people in Iran. 
a new listener from Amman, Jordan, another new listener from Budapest, 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 I don't know, I can't speak Hungarian, but Budapest, Hungary, and here in the U.S., a new listener from Castro Valley, California, and someone from either Sparks, Maryland, or Sparks, Nevada, Sparks, whatever, thank you. Thanks for listening and subscribing. By the way, next week is the second year anniversary podcast. That's going to be a special one. Remember, a picture of my drink is going to be on Instagram and Twitter. Let's get together next week on our second year anniversary for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.